All right, good evening to you, Gabe D. Armand and Mitchell Forty here to talk about all the hard-hitting issues of the day, like who is going to be Missouri's next defensive coordinator and how important is it that Mookie Cooper is transferring back and what the hell happened to Missouri basketball in Starkville, Mississippi last night. So uh, I don't know, Mitch, I'll, I'll just kind of leave it up to you. Where of of all those very important topics, which are – a top of mind to everybody in America today. Uh, where should we start? Um, uh, I don't know. Uh, I, I guess. Uh, what, what do you think? Should we start with Walters? That seems like the most important. Is yeah, Walters. Yeah. Walters is the most recent thing. So, yeah. let's get this out of the way first. Like, the the question we are getting from both sides of it, really, and I get it for people who maybe don't know exactly how everything works. Why is Ryan Walters leaving Missouri for Illinois? So um, I'll let you take that. Yeah, um, you know, yeah, I get that, you know, on the surface, it, it seems like a little bit of a step down, same position at a school that, that hasn't won as much. Um, I think the, the short answer is job security. Um, you know, it's pretty clear that, you know, anytime you have a holdover guy from an old staff and you bring in a new coach, if, you know, things don't go great, the, the holdover is kind of a lot of the times going to be the fall guy. And, you know, Ryan Walters' defense wasn't spectacular at the end of the season. So I think it became fairly apparent to him that, you know, if, if I'm not maybe taking a big step forward next season, I might be asked to leave. Um, whereas, uh, you know, he can go sign a, you know, three to five year deal with Illinois, something like that, and uh, have plenty of time to, to build up from scratch with the fan base. It's going to be a little bit more patient. So I think, uh, I don't I don't think that, you know, Eli Drinkwitz, I know people said, like, he, he told Ryan Walters to look around. I don't think that's probably the case. I don't think you do that as a head coach. I think if you are suggesting you don't want your defensive coordinator there anymore, you just fire him. But I do don't, I do also do not think Eli Drinkwitz is probably Okay, so apparently we have people saying that you're echoing, which I don't understand because we do this the same way on every single show. And like, I I don't know. Um, this is this is what I've got. This is it's set up the exact same way that it's always set up. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Um. Well, I went with the tried and true method of unplugging a couple things and plugging them back in, so people let me know if it gets any better. Yeah, just let us know in the comments. Uh, you know, if it, if it sounds better, if it doesn't sound better, maybe Mitch can unplug the microphone and just use computer sound. Who knows? We'll figure it out um, as we go. Um, that's what we do here, right? We just, we just hope to eventually, by the time the show is over, know what the hell we're doing every Wednesday. Um, so... Yeah, I mean, those are the reasons. Let's do some math here. Let's say Ryan Walters takes a $200,000 pay cut. I don't think that's going to be the case. I think he's going to get the same amount of money or maybe even a little bit more. But let's say he's down to $700,000. And three years at seven hundred grand is better than one year at nine hundred grand. So, I, I mean, it just it, – it is. And so – I, I'm a little surprised it's Illinois. Um, I, I also want to clear something up. Like, I don't think Eli Drinkwitz went to him and said, go find another job. Um, because if he was going to do that, he'd fire him. Sure. Now, I'm not sure Eli Drinkwitz is necessarily fighting super hard to keep him or was I, – I think he was fine if he got another job, maybe. Um, but I don't think he just expressly went to him and said, hey, 
move on, but we won't fire you, but just go find another job. Because, well, then what happens if Ryan Walters doesn't find another job and, and you have the same yeah. guy as your defensive coordinator? So, right. um, yeah, I, I don't know. Um, Illinois, a little bit of an odd fit, but, like, Brett Bielema is a good coach and a, a defensive coach, I think. I didn't think it was a terrible hire for Illinois. And, hey, if he if he does well there a couple of years, he might be a head coach somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, you're not going somewhere where you put yourself in an impossible position where you're playing opposite, like, a, you know, Josh Heupel-type offense that is holding them, or that is running, you know, a play every four seconds or something like that. So, uh, you know, and, and I think highly of, uh, you know, of Ryan Walters. I always have it. People have realized that on the message board. Like, I, I think, you know, he could have done some things better this year, yes. Um, but he's a young guy. Uh, he's really, you know, he, he's – nice he's smart he's relatable you know players his players seem to like him so uh you know i think i think he could do you know he could have done worse it's you know it's a, a little bit of a you know lateral to downward move maybe but um you know it, it makes sense once you kind of take in the framework of, of you know his deal yeah uh, it, i agree so um all right well we're apparently having terrible audio issues with you mitch i'm gonna hang up and I guess uh, I'll call back. Um, I, I I don't know. Uh, I, I'll see if you can either unplug the microphone or say however you want to set it up. I'll try to call back All in right. 30 seconds and see if we can fix this. I, I'm not sure what's going on, but we'll give it a shot. Um, it's picking up both microphones, and that's why it's echoing, Justin says. So I don't know if... If that means, you know, do you have your your computer and your microphone mic on? That's possible. Is that? Um, I'll, I'll mess with it. Yes, yeah. I'll, I'll hang up. You check your audio settings. Text me when you're ready to come back. I can. I. I mean, I can probably manage to talk for like 45 seconds or two minutes or however long it takes. So, all right. So we're gonna um we're gonna bid farewell to Mitchell for just a minute. And what that's gonna do is we're gonna have a big blue S for the uh, Skype right there. So um, hopefully at some point Mitchell will pop back up in that square. Um, if he doesn't, hey, he doesn't. You know, um, we'll uh, we'll see how it goes. Let's uh, let's switch scenes. Nope, same thing. I thought maybe I I had something that was was gonna get it done, but I don't. So anyway, Mitch will be back, um, and hopefully we'll be back with better sound for you guys. Um, talking a little bit about the Ryan Walters deal and we've got up on our site, a hot board. And I want to get that to a minute, get to that in a minute, but I do want to put this comment up at the beginning. Um, Greg Shackelford says, thanks for doing the show this evening. Sad day in American history, but hopefully we can find some good news with Mizzou sports. And look, I don't want to, we don't, we're here because we talk about the silly stuff. We don't want to address everything that's going on today. Really. We don't want to get into it here. But it is important to acknowledge what's happening, and, and we know it's happening. And I texted Mitch earlier today and said, it seems kind of dumb to do a show and pretend that Missouri's defensive coordinator or Missouri's basketball team or something like that really matters. Like, we get it. But also, hey, you guys, a lot of you guys come here so that you can talk about this stuff and not worry about that stuff for maybe an hour. I was glad I had a defensive coordinator uh, thing to kind of follow today because I didn't spend the day in front of the TV watching all that stuff. So, Greg, appreciate the comment. Not in any way trying to derail this or get into a conversation about everything that's happening. People have their own opinions, and that those are fine. We're not going to get into them here. But did want to acknowledge, like, hey, we know other stuff's going on. We know it's far more important than this. Um, but we appreciate you guys being here and, and – 
hopefully we're providing some sort of an outlet um, for you guys uh, amidst all of the other stuff that's going on here in uh, here in the toy department of uh, uh, of what we're doing. So um, let's see now. Aaron Johnson is wanting to know, could drink what's fire him given the financial situation? Yeah, he could have. I mean, uh, look, it, the pandemic is, I, I mean, Missouri's raised like $20 million for an indoor football facility in a week. Yes, they could have found $900,000 or whatever it was to have, uh, to have Ryan Walters go away if, if that's what they wanted to do. So yeah, they, they could have done that, um, if they wanted to, um, but I don't think they did. Um, you know, it, obviously they didn't fire him. Now, again, I think it's possible that Drinkwitz was like, mm, that's cool. If you get another job, it's fine. You know, um, because it was a little bit of a marriage of convenience and all that, but I, I, he didn't, he, yes, he could have fired him if that's what he wanted to do. He didn't do it. So, um, let's see, let's move on. Guessing Stirk didn't. Uh, want to buy out Walters, but don't know his contract situation. And again, I, I think that Drinkwitz has the autonomy, certainly, to say, hey, you know, this is what we're going to do. And if it costs nine hundred thousand dollars or whatever, they'll they'll find it. I don't think Stirk would have would have told him what to do. Um, Adam is wanting to know if the new DC can get paid more than uh, than Walters. Um, yeah, it's possible. Maybe a little bit more. Uh, hang on. I'm going to try to assist Mitchell over text message real quick. Okay. Um, so we'll see how that goes. Uh and hopefully we'll get him back. Maybe like a maybe a hundred thousand. Like maybe they pay a guy a million dollars, but I don't think it's going to be significantly more than that. So all right, we're going to try to bring Mitch back. We're going to find out how it sounds to you guys, and uh, and if it still sounds terrible, I I, I don't know. We'll figure uh, something out to do so all right mitch so you're back um our great engineering team has maybe taken care of this so um yeah we're still talking about ryan walters a little bit and um I, you know it, real quick i i guess we'll test this test the audio with i know you and sean williams reached out to some of the recruits kind of what's the what was the general reaction that you guys heard yeah, so just everyone type if you can in the comments and let me know if this is any better. If not, I'll just unplug the mic. I changed a couple things in the setting. We'll see if it worked. Um, basically, you know, reached out to a few kids. Quite a few didn't respond, which is fair. You know, I think, you know, for kids who have already signed their national letters of intent and are more or less, you know, locked into a school, I, I, I know, you know, maybe doesn't do them a lot of good to, to react. But the ones who did, I thought it was kind of refreshing to hear a few people say like, yeah, this didn't totally catch us by surprise. Um Oh, good. It sounds like it sounds better. That's good. Um, you know, one kid, Isaac Thompson, who is the one person who could change his course because he's not until uh, 2022. He doesn't sign for almost a year, said, you know, I, I kind of got the sense that, that Ryan Walters might have been, you know, on his way out. He wasn't super involved in my mm -hmm. recruitment, which, you know, 
credit to, to Eli Dringwitz and staff, that makes sense because, you know, he probably figured one way or another, either he's looking at maybe a head coaching job or something like this would happen. So, uh, you know, yeah, there, there was no, um, you know, cause for panic, I thought, in, in you know, from recruits saying, uh, you know, oh, now I can't go to Mizzou. Right. And look, for the most part, I, I, I mean, yeah, ideally their position coach is there for four years and they spend every day with them and all that. But I think these – we know enough about college football that that's just not realistic. I mean, it, it, I would be willing to bet people that signed at Illinois or signed at Illinois last month do not play four years for Ryan Walters. You know, it, it, that's the reality of the situation. So let's uh, let's address before we go on to some of the other candidates and, and some of the other people we we maybe are looking at, the one internal candidate that we feel pretty confident, and Aaron Johnson brings him up and says, I hope it's not Gibbs. I mean, David Gibbs is, he will be a candidate. I think he will be considered. I think Drinkwitz will talk to him. Um, but I think he's probably the only guy on the staff that that is in the running for that. Don't you agree? Yeah, I do. Um, you know, Charlie Harbison has a lot of experience. I'm not sure. Has he been a defensive coordinator? Do you know? I don't think he has. I think he's always been a position coach. I might be wrong, though. But um, he he's has a lot of experience. Um, but, like, I don't know. It's hard because, like, we didn't get to know these position coaches hardly at all. <laughs> like, I don't have the feel of if he – like, you know, how he would command a defense because I've literally never met him in person. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think he's the only one, though. I mean, Brick Haley's been a career defensive line coach, has done a fine job, but doesn't strike me as a coordinator. Zach, uh, sorry, what, wow, DJ Smith, not Zach Smith. Yeah, DJ really Smith, young. the linebacker's coach, is, is young, um, you know, just kind of his second or third coaching job. So I think David Gibbs is probably, if they were to stay internal, would be the, the leading candidate. But I, I think, and I think, like you said, he'll be uh, monitored or looked at, but I, I think it's somewhat unlikely that they would stay internal yeah uh harbison actually was a defensive coordinator from 2007 to 2017 at mississippi state clemson auburn and louisiana lafayette so he has been wow, i was way off there <laughs> yeah he has been i'm kind of with you on gibbs like i think he's going to be a candidate Drinkwitz speaks highly of him but i mean that's kind of an extension of walters right he's a <laughs> right. and i understand he he might run a different system and be a different voice anybody pointing to the south carolina game is the reason i mean if anybody thinks David Gibbs came in and changed the whole defense in a week, like I don't think you really know how this works. Um, so I think he's a candidate, but I, I think this is this is the rare, like, uh, you know, to, to quote one of the better office uh, moments, this is a win-win-win, right? Because Eli Drinkwitz wins because he gets to get his own guy. He gets to pick the direction he wants his defense to go. Ryan Walters wins because he gets a fresh start and he gets some job security. And Illinois wins because they hired a guy who I think is a pretty solid young coach and they can go out on social media and say, hey, look, we stole one from Missouri. And while mm -hmm. Missouri fans will fight back against that, look, if the situation was reversed, you would 100% do the same thing and say we stole one from Illinois. So yeah. that's okay that they're going to do that. Um, so it, I threw together a list, and it, it's interesting. You were saying you know, the hard part about not seeing these assistants and not talking to them. So I'm trying to put together a list of defensive coordinators yesterday, and, and I texted you and said, the hard part is, like, I've never – most of the people on this staff, the only person on this staff I have talked to in person more than three times just took a job at Illinois. So, mm -hmm. like, I don't have relationships with, with this coaching staff to kind of be like, 
So what do you think about this guy? I mean, not like, right. don't get me wrong. I'm not texting Casey Woods and say, hey, what do you <laughs> think about this guy on my defensive coordinator list? But, sure. but the point is, we don't know these guys. So that is 100% a list based on nothing I have been told. That mm-hmm. is a list based on me doing a lot of Google searching for different people who are connected to Eli Drinkwitz in different ways and who might be ready for a step up, looking at CFB stats to find out who had good defenses the last couple of years. I, you know, I went into the Sun Belt, I went into the Carolinas, um, and I think just to me, just off that list, and again, I would say the odds are well under 50% that the guy Drinkwitz hires is on our list. Uh, well, uh, if it makes you feel any better, I thought it was a solid list. I mean, you 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 know, you you brought up some names that I read, I and I was like, well. oh yeah, I could see that working. Right. Maybe you know, I could see him being a candidate. Yeah, there's a great chance that you know, yes, the ultimate hire may not be be on there, but uh, you know, I I liked uh, I liked that UAB uh, coach. I think it's yeah. Mike Reeves or David Dave Reeves, Reeves, something Reeves. Uh, I thought thought that made a lot of sense. Uh, that the Liberty defensive coordinator has a connection with Eli. Drinkwitz and was part of a good defense, so don't beat yourself up over it. <laughs> yeah, those two, I like the guy at Coastal Carolina. There's less of a connection with Drinkwitz, but, you know, obviously they played against each other. They would know each other. I think Drinkwitz hung 56 on his defense last year, so that might impact kind of what he thinks of his defense. Um, and then there are other names that are out there, like uh, it, Huxtable, and I can't think of his first name, was brought up on our board. He's an analyst at Texas this year. He was the defensive coordinator at NC State when Drinkwitz is there. He's also 64 years old. So that kind of tells me, mm, I'm not real sure. Um, yeah. And then I, I've got to actually give Power Mizzou a ton of credit today. We have made it like seven hours with the defensive coordinator hot board on the front page of the site. And I haven't seen anybody suggest Jim Levitt. So like, I, I have, have, but oh. only, it took a while. It was just like in the last hour or two. Okay. Yeah. 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 Well, hey, we've made progress. We've we've <laughs> yeah. made progress. You know. Yeah. Um, I, the one one name that was thrown out there that I don't think is likely, but not impossible, and like has some sizzle. I don't know how good it would be. Is, is Charlie Strong? Yeah. Um, and now I I think I. I, I don't know. I think he probably wouldn't take it, but it's also better than he has right now being kind of an analyst in the, uh, you know, the Nick Sab- Saban rehab program for troubled coaches. So um, I don't know, maybe, but, I mean, he was, he was a fine defensive coordinator at Florida, but it's been a while. So we'll see. Is it better than that though? I mean, yeah, I'm not sure. No, I mean, it really not, is, no. but you know, well, well, here's what I was talking to somebody earlier today and Will Muschamp and Derek Mason are on our list. Look, uh, Missouri's, almost certainly not hiring those guys. And it, it really doesn't have much to do with Missouri. I know people who know those guys, and they've told me in the last few days what those guys' plans are. I think Will Muschamp is, is going to be an off-field coach somewhere. I think Derek Mason might just take a year off. He also might go back to the NFL. So we were talking, if you're a former head coach, if you're a fired head coach, like Will Muschamp just made $15 million to go away. Uh, Derek mm-hmm. Mason over the last six, seven years at Vanderbilt has made 20 some odd million dollars. So if you lose that job, uh, explain to me the thought process that says, you know what? I'm going to go be a defensive coordinator and I'm going to go grovel to 17 year olds for another few years for a million bucks a year. Like, dude, you just made $20 million. You don't have to work. I, I don't, I, I really, right. I, and like, look, I, I like my job. It's better than most people's jobs. 
if I win the lottery tomorrow, you are the publisher of Power Mizzou. Like, I'm not going to keep <laughs> doing it. And, and uh, foot, these football people and athletes, I guess they're just wired differently. I mean, like, Drew Brees, I watched him play a game with a punctured lung. Like, what? why, <laughs> dude? You've got, like, $27 trillion in the bank. Just walk away, and they can't do it. Yeah. At least in Breeze's case, like there is the fact that like, okay, I can't keep doing this forever. Like you can kind of coach forever. I mean, we were just talking about Jim Levitt. He's pretty yeah. old. So, um, yeah, I mean like I, yeah, I, I mentioned this briefly last night and I'm sure a lot of people weren't watching the pregame basketball pregame show for defensive coordinator talk, but we slipped this in there. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't hire Will Muschamp right now for this position right. because like, yeah, like you said, like, you know, maybe he's, he's, you know, he, he's like, okay, yeah, I guess I'll just do something, you know, to keep me busy. But like, is his heart going to be in it to the extent of like a coach who's like looking to become a, you know, like the UAB coach is probably looking to become a head coach somewhere at the end of this. Like, that's probably his goal. Like, well, Champ probably knows that's not a possibility. And like, you know, I'm not suggesting he's a slacker or anything like that, but like, I just think it's human nature. Like if you just got paid like that and you know, you, you know, you know, you're probably the biggest place you can go from here is just another defensive coordinator job to not like, you know, put in the you know 90 hours a week you need to do and take every single text from a 16 year old kid yeah now I want to know speaking of fired head coaches who are defensive coordinators like how much credit do I get for showing the restraint to not put Barry Odom on that list <laughs> not very I much mean, probably probably not because it would have immediately invalidated the whole list yeah. but it would have been funny here here's is there enough money in circulation in the United States of America for Barry Odom to return and be the defensive coordinator with Jim Sterk still the athletic director at Missouri? I, I mean, not and not and there to Mizzou to be able to pay enough to afford a, the rest of its staff. No, it would have all the money in circulation I, would have to go to Odom. You would have not right. have another staff. Like, ever. I literally don't even think if if Barry Odom was the defensive coordinator here next year, I think that when rivals went to pay me next month, they would say, I'm sorry, all the money is gone. Barry Odom has it. Like, you're just going to have to go to him. <laughs> so yeah. it, it would have been pretty funny, though, if I just, like, at the very bottom of the list would have put, like, others to watch, Barry Odom, Arkansas. <laughs> that would have been good. Yeah, you that would have been good. But, um, yeah, and, and Justin Ferguson suggests Dave Steckel and Alex Grinch. I mean, maybe Matt Eberflus <laughs> will pass up the Texans there interview you go. to he's, return. He's on, to the, he's on the list. He's on the in the comments now, too. There you go. Yeah. Fantastic. So, um, hey, real quick before we, we move on to other subjects, um, I do want to make sure to shout out 573Ts. They sponsor this show for us every week. 573Ts.com. That's T-E-E-S, not just the letter T. Um, 573Ts.com. Go there. They've got a ton of stuff. Um Got a lot of Eli Drinkwitz shirts. Uh, they've got a, some really cool Columbia hoodies. I saw a girl wearing one in the grocery store today. It was not mine because my wife stole that one within 24 hours of it being in the house. So she has that one and wears it pretty frequently. Uh, they got a lot of good stuff. Uh, they've, they've been very cool to us. Um, they support us online and, and support us certainly here with this show. And uh, hopefully we'll do so with, uh, with more shows going on and, make sure that they have advertising money that does not go to Barry Odom by uh, going in and buying some of their products. So, uh, so I hope you do that. Um, and, and so now let's move on. Let's stay with the football stuff. And uh, yesterday in the, I, I don't know, I guess some people would consider the Ryan Walters thing, good news, but I would say that's more just kind of news. 
Um, the other news we have to talk about is not so good in the basketball realm. So th- we'll start with the one piece of undeniably good news that Mookie Cooper is transferring from Ohio State to Missouri. And, um, I mean, this is a big deal. I, I-, I think it's pretty important. Yeah, like we've talked about, you know, the, the, when you watch Missouri play these teams at the top of the league, you know, the Alabamas, Floridas and Georgias, there's just a, a gap in talent to gap in skill and athleticism and size. And, you know, Mookie Cooper, uh, uh, he has that without a doubt. He has, you know, speed and, and dynamic athleticism and playmaking ability. Um, you know, there's a few question marks like he hasn't played in a football game in a couple of years. You know, what position does he play? But you know, you, when you've got an offensive mind like Eli Drinkwitz, who, who likes to, you know, talk about being creative and, and getting playmakers involved, like, I don't think not having that position is an issue in his mind. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think it gives Missouri something they, they really needed with just a dose of, of speed and big playability. Yeah, the comp here to me is Tyler Beatty, a, a guy who I yeah. thought looked really good in Eli Drinkwitz's offense. And, like, Honestly, my first instinct was to say like a little more explosive Tyler Beatty, but I think that's pretty disrespectful because Tyler Beatty was very explosive this year, <laughs> and I've seen him do it in the SEC. Yeah, maybe more and, of like a deep receiving threat. Right, yeah. and I haven't seen Mookie Cooper do it yeah. at this level yet. Um, And, and I, I was hoping to get to this before somebody brought it up, but Greg Shackelford uh, brought it up. Mitch, um, can you remind me, it's been a couple weeks since the season was going, was Missouri's punt return game good this year? It wasn't the best. Okay. Uh, in fact, it was almost the worst. They muffed four, <laughs> including a muff for a touchdown. So I think they were like 118th in the nation in punt return average. Hey, better so than great. like nine teams, I think, then. Um, yeah, there was two years ago when they were 129th out of 130. So they've, they've improved slightly. So, but in all seriousness, I think Mookie Cooper and Dominic Lovett, day one, step on campus and compete for that job. Even yeah. if they don't see the field on offense. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah. they also like I'd put him back in the kickoff return and because Tyler Beatty, I want him on the field for more offensive snaps, first of all. And also, second of all, to be quite honest, I- I've never really seen it with him in the kickoff return game. Right. Like, I, yeah. I, yeah. 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 I, I haven't either. Um, but yeah. And, you know, I think he's going to be, you know, more or less featured back next season. So, yeah, I think it'd be great if you have guys you trust enough to, to put back there in the kick and punt return game. I mean, that's that's, you know, that's a way like, you know, when you talk about, you know, a team like Missouri trying to compete with teams that are, that are you know, just going to recruit better year in and year out. You look at like where are ways you can kind of make up some, some points like quarterback. If you have a dynamic quarterback, you can make things up there. If you have a dynamic returner, like that's a that's an easy way to like you know you get a cheap touchdown every few games like that's that's free points basically or even someone who can you know help a little bit in the field position game that's big or even not fumbling the ball into your own or, end zone or just, and having just, the opponent yeah. jump on it or yeah. just not yeah have that completely you know or, spear a game and yeah harpoon a game even so. I don't know catching the punt. I mean, that would be a fun yeah. place to start. So um, Bradley Heath is wanting to know, do we anticipate any more transfers? I would say certainly yes. Um, I think there are now five spots left in this class. Um, mm-hmm. And that is not including I'm, – I'm including B.J. Harris is already in this class until I hear something okay. that tells me that's not true. So I think there are five mm-hmm. spots left. I think – I I don't know – if I set the over-under on number of – transfers remaining at three and a half do you go over or under i think i go under 
Um, I think I would probably take the over on two and a half, but the over the under three and a half. It's not impossible they could have four, but if you had, my my guess is you try you look at three more guys you need who could potentially play right away, and that's a tackle, um, a, a defensive back, preferably a safety, and a linebacker. Um, I, I'd be surprised if you take more than that because there are going to be, you know, you, you do probably want a couple more high school guys. I think they, there wouldn't, you know, decent chance they take a high school offensive lineman as well. But so, um, maybe another defensive lineman if uh, Shamar Pearl doesn't make it. So that's my guess is I'll take the under on three and a half. I think there could be four. I think they could use all five spots on transfers because here's why, like Mookie Cooper, it is like signing a freshman. That's a good he's, point. He's That's a, a transfer, point. but he has five years to play for because this year did not count. It, it wasn't a redshirt year. Yeah. It was nothing. He theoretically is going to be in college through the 2025 season. Now, Missouri fans should hope he's not because that means he's really good and he's gone. But um, I think, and, and again, every transfer is eligible next year. So mm-hmm. you could sign a sophomore transfer and like he just – there's no sitting out. He can play right yeah. away. And if he can't play right away, that's cool. Just redshirt him. It's not mm-hmm. a big deal. So I, I would actually say, I think it's more likely that they use all five spots on transfers than that. They only use two. Um, I, okay. I, you yeah. know, um, I'm just kind of playing with numbers here and, and I didn't, I didn't kind of, I, you're right. And I realized this at the time, but I didn't think about the fact that Mookie Cooper is basically still a, a true freshman. So yeah. yeah. And AJ Ogar, the other transfer they've signed is basically is a redshirt freshman, you know, four years of eligibility left. So that, that is a good point. Correct. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, everybody like is, I don't know. Everybody's going to be in college till 2027. <laughs> You know, so um, there's going to be no seniors next year. But then in like, yeah, like 2023, there's going to each team's going to have 60 seniors. Right. Right. So uh, Justin Ferguson's asking with Lovett and Cooper, both slot guys, does that move Knox back outside? I mean, maybe, but we're assuming that they're both going to play is true freshman. I mean, I kind of think they are and Knox can go outside maybe more easily. Like Cooper to me has to be a slot guy, right? At his size. I assume I don't know. I've never, I've never seen him play. Uh, but yes, I would think so. I mean, when, when Lovett signed, you know, we had multiple people, including drink would say he can play inside or out. So I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, he's, he's, He's playing um, you know, a little bit outside. I also wouldn't be shocked if, you know, he's a guy who, you know, is, is just kind of in specific personnel packages. Um, you know, maybe as a true freshman, he may not be in every snapper series. Maybe he is. But, uh, yeah, I would guess that, you know, Cooper is more of a true slot. Um, Knox can kind of play a little of both. Lovett, Lovett can play a little bit of both. And and let's be honest, like Knox has had some injury issues too. You've got to you, yeah. You've got to account for that. Uh, Danny Ragland yeah. wants to know he still only has to be three years removed from high school to enter the NFL draft, right? So theoretically, could have him for only two years. Yes, that's true. I mean, think about this, and this is not going to happen, I don't think. But theoretically, Connor Bazelak could enter the NFL draft after his redshirt freshman season <laughs> in college. I mean that's this is so dumb. Uh, I'm gonna, gonna I'm gonna all next year I'm gonna just cringe every time I type redshirt freshman Connor Baselak. Right. Well, my favorite. But it'll thing, be kind of fun because I hope he I hope he repeats his SEC freshman of the year. That would be fun. Right. right. It would be like remember, and you might be a little too young for this, but I I remember when Ichiro won the rookie of the year. Like people were really mad. They were like, he's not a rookie. Well, Connor Baselak's not a freshman next year, but. 
Right. Mm-hmm. And he really was. He was hardly a freshman right. this year. Yeah. yeah. My, and my favorite thing about this whole thing is still that still every day somebody is asking, so, like, how does eligibility work? I mean, we literally answer this every day. And, and that's your... not – I'm not saying that to you, Danny. You clearly <laughs> understand how this works. But there are many, many people out there who do not understand this. When you say that's your favorite thing about this, you mean that is your absolute least favorite thing. By about favorite, this. I mean totally not favorite. I mean yeah. it in, in in the exact opposite way of favorite. Um, so let me see. Um, Greg Shackelford says that Lovett can play outside, and and you were saying that. I think that's definitely true. Um, uh, yeah, Adam was asking what position Mookie will play. Hey, Marcus Murphy, that's a good comp too. Like that type of a guy. You can, I mean, I think you can put Mookie in the backfield for some for some plays. I don't know if he's an every down running back, but I think you can use him there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so, let's talk real quick before we move on to the whatever happened last night in Starkville. Um, you know, this I, I think this continues what Drinkwitz did in St. Louis and in the state of Missouri on signing day. Um, I I think just the momentum continues. Now, ultimately the proof here is going to be in two years. And I was on the radio in St. Louis this morning and, and said, look, Ohio state is not going to suffer the next time they come to St. Louis to try to recruit a kid because Mookie Cooper didn't play there. Now I've seen this cycle with Missouri coaches before. If a lot of these kids don't play at Missouri in two years, people are going to hold that against Missouri. The homeschool, and and it's probably that way for Texas in Texas and LSU in Louisiana. I don't know. I don't cover any of those places. But the homeschool is held to a little bit of a different standard. And so, look, not every one of these guys has to be an all-SEC player, but some of them are going to have to play well because, again, I've seen this cycle before. And for the love to continue the way it is for Eli Drinkwitz now, these guys have to come here and do well. It's how it works. Yeah, 100%. I really don't have much to add. You're, right. you're great. I mean, I, I wrote a story uh, a while back now about, you know, just kind of Drinkwitz's recruiting in St. Louis and what he was doing different and better. And that, that was basically what a number of coaches said was, you know, he's been great at relating to these kids and, and getting them to buy into his vision. Now he's got to do right by them and, you know, do right by us and impress us. So Right. And, and so, um, you know, obviously, hey, very good thing and not trying to uh, – to, to throw the wet blanket on anything at all. I, I think it's a, a phenomenal get for the class. It continues the, um, you know, the momentum that he has had. It gives him another weapon. It, it's all positive things. The, the one other point I want to bring up on this is there's always the debate about, you know, do you take a guy that spurned you and went somewhere else? Do you take him when he wants to come back home? Mm-hmm. In year five, that might be a different decision than it is today. But, like, Mookie Cooper didn't spurn Eli Drinkwitz. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's a big difference when, when you know, someone – like, you know, in basketball we talk about, you know, what if Cameron Fletcher ends up transferring from Kentucky? I'm not saying he's going to, but, you know, that talk's been out there because of his whole episode there. Like, it's a little different because he said no to Consul Martin versus a guy who said no to, his, to a different staff. And, frankly, like, you know, there's – there is a time where you probably, yeah, don't want Missouri to look like a fullback option. But if you if if there's a guy who can clearly address a position of need like Mookie Cooper kind of can with just, you know, speed and, and downfield playmaking ability, like you, you probably still take him at a certain point. You know, right. your job's to win games. So Right. Now, if he trashes you on the way to Columbus, Ohio, maybe you don't. But um, also, right. I mean, I don't 
know if you watched Ohio State play last week, but like taking some guys that can't get on the field on that team, even at receiver, that might be okay. You know? Yeah, they've got some. They've got some okay players there. Yeah, I mean, every time I looked up, they had some receiver just sprinting past Clemson defensive backs while Justin Fields assured he should go number two in the NFL draft. So, uh, you know, that was all right. Aaron's asking. Uh, he says that Mookie said he was impressed with Mizzou finally emphasizing St. Louis. My question is, why wasn't it a priority under Odom? And this kind of leads back to what I was talking about. Back in year one of Barry Odom, a big deal was made. Like, he had a summit with St. Louis coaches, and everybody said really good things. And then Barry Odom didn't win games, and it went downhill. Now, I think this is different. This feels different than Odom year one did. But this – I mean, Gary Pinkle year one, he landed Damian Nash, and, and it was huge. And then four years later, when Damian left on not very good terms – Things weren't so great for Missouri and St. Louis. And then even toward the end of Pinkle, there were some people that said, hey, he's not putting in the effort like he used to. And and Odom came in, and, and you heard, whether it was on the record or off, you heard people saying it's really nice to see a staff putting the effort into this city again. It's, an, it's, it's the honeymoon. It's the new coach. And, look, hopefully for your sake, for his sake, for our sake, it, it all works and it's all great and this is a new thing. Um, but I think it is a little bit of the the new boyfriend or girlfriend syndrome a little bit, right? Um, now, yeah. I, I, I think he is putting in a little more time and energy and effort maybe than the last staff did. But I also think there's the, the bright, shiny new toy factor. Yeah, and I'm not even sure it's so much, you know, making it more of a priority as it is just, you know, being a little bit better at relating to kids. I mean, you know, maybe he is, yeah, maybe they are spending a little bit more time with these, you know, kids and coaches in St. Louis or, you know, contacting more coaches. But I, I think, you know, the bottom line is, and what I heard the most uh, when I wrote that story, I think it was back in the spring was, um, you know, he's just really good at, at connecting with these kids in a way that not a lot of other coaches are. And so, and, you know, like really and truly like, we've talked about this before on the site. Like when you ask a kid, like, why did you pick a certain school? Like a lot of times they just fall back on the same type of things. Like, Oh, the family atmosphere and how much they said they wanted me. Like in reality, it's always like, how quickly could I get on the field? You can know, I go to did, the NFL? and can I go to the NFL? So hundred percent. Uh, it, we've talked about this a little bit, but Dalton has been on a lot of our shows over the week. So I wanted to make sure we, we get it answered for him. Uh, were, were there rumors about Walters potentially looking around in recent weeks? I only asked because of what, Isaac Thompson said today and not so much rumors as I think Isaac Thompson kind of knew what we all knew right like eh, this this might not in whether he knew that because somebody at Missouri told him mm, you know Ryan might might look around um or whether he knew it because he's using common sense and just looked at it I I, I can't say um but I I hadn't heard anything about Ryan looking at other jobs. And I was not surprised that he was looking at other jobs, but I was surprised on Monday night. And I think you were too, when I texted you about it, that Illinois was the one. Yeah. And like, you know, like you said, we, we, you know, hadn't, no one had told us he might look around, but we had brought it up on the, on the site, you know, saying like, you know, common sense says, you know, maybe he looks for a softer landing spot this off season. And even also, you know, at the time that Isaac Thompson was being recruited, it was talked about maybe he could be, you know, move on for a head coaching job, mm. especially for, you know, before a guy who's in the class of 2022 gets to campus. So I think it's just, you know, kind of, you know, just a knowledge of how these things work. I mean, Isaac Thompson's dad played college football. Like he, he you know, I think if there's anyone out there that kind of gets it, it's him. Yeah, I, I, I would certainly agree with that. And, uh, 
you know, um, again, give give these kids some credit. Uh, along with social media and everything being what it is, I think these kids have a little bit more understanding of college football and the fact that it's a business than maybe kids five or ten years ago would have. I, I see one more football question here that we'll hit up um, – before we, we move on to our closing subject, and Justin's wanting to know, do you see guys like Macklin or Abrams Drain moving to cornerback? I know coming out of high school they were guys who could play both, um, and would Burdine move to safety? I don't know that they need to move guys because, like, they just signed a whole bunch of defensive backs. Right. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, you know, yes, it happened for, a, you know, a game this year with, with Chris Abrams Drain moving back there, but that was kind of extreme circumstances. I, I don't I like position changes do happen and occasionally they do work out, but they don't happen nearly as often or work out nearly as often as people want to think. And, right. you know, people get creative and say like, well, why don't you just go ahead and move this person? They're like, odds are he's best suited to the position they recruited him at, especially when you're talking about another side of the ball. So could it happen? Maybe, but also like, you know, it's not like Missouri was in, insanely deep at receiver this year. I mean, you know, they, they played, you know, a, a walk on at Boo Smith, quite a few snaps. Um, so I, I don't think that, you know, having a, a few more guys there is, is the end of the world by any means. And like the reason Sean Robinson is a cool story is that it doesn't happen very much. I mean, exactly. if that happened all the time, then, then no big deal. Uh, David Dowell is saying that Rakestraw apparently didn't know about Walter, seemed to be a bit upset. Here was my favorite comment I saw today, and, and this time I really mean by favorite, I really mean favorite, <laughs> was that we could just start a whole new message board dedicated to uh, dissecting Ennis Rakestraw tweets. Yes. And, I mean, yes, you know, it is what it is. We follow him. We post the tweets. I'm, I'm not trying to make fun of the kid, but, like, there's a lot there to uh to look at sometimes and i'm sure he probably look he probably was upset he has a right to be upset i get it you know yeah he, he can tweet what he wants I, my advice would be more for the followers to yeah. just you know wait wait for wait for someone to tell you you have caused it to, to be alarmed to be alarmed uh, you know don't right. don't read too much into the twitters 100 percent. so okay um real quick before we do move on once again five seven three t's there you see there their logo, it's the 573 Report. Um, it's funny how that works, right? I mean, that, that's called branding. Uh, so go to 573Ts.com. If you go through the link on our show page on our site, you can get a discount on your first purchase. Um, hey, you're, you, you might have some Christmas money. I heard that people are getting money just direct deposited in their bank accounts lately. I haven't yet, but I heard some people are. So if you got that, um, you know, maybe you can spend some of that um, money on a new t-shirt or a new sweatshirt, new hat, whatever. So, um, okay, so this kind of ties in football and basketball. Adam wants to know who has the most cryptic tweets, Pinson, <laughs> Michael Porter Jr., or Rakestraw? Um, I, I kind of feel like Tyler Beatty should be part of this discussion too. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, what, like Michael Porter Jr.'s wasn't cryptic. Nothing cryptic about it. It just it flat was out was out by, there. But by far the most, like, stirred up the most stuff. I mean, like, he was on a different level of, of you know, of publicity. And he just, yeah, he said whoever said whatever timeline flat lied or something like and that. That's by the way, cryptic. they did not lie. They were pretty much 100% right. 
Yeah, so there was not cryptic there. It was just more uh, drama, and that definitely caused the most, uh, yeah, commotion. Pinson, I feel like Pinson's more of an Instagram guy. I could be wrong. I feel like I haven't seen too yeah. many tweets from him. But so I'm gonna go ahead and say concept. the winner is Rake Straw in that group. But yes, Pinson has has been known to uh, has been known to you know stir the pot a little bit yeah. on social media. I would go with Pinson and Tyler Beatty as far as the most consistent. Um, speaking of Porter family tweets. Have you woken up like the last five days and noticed that Jonte Porter is constantly tweeting about giving away PS5s? What's happening? Yeah, I'm, what, I'm wondering if he has a hack account. Like, is he getting maybe hacked he, every day? I don't know. Maybe he just has a bunch of PS5s and he's trying to give. I don't know. Yeah, um, the, I don't know. The other one had a, had an MIZ. One had an MIZ at the end of it. Maybe he just really likes people. Maybe he's a, maybe he got a signing bonus. I don't know. Very cool for him. I would advise it. 20 years old, maybe save some of that money instead of giving away three PS5s every single day. But, uh, you know, whatever. Um, Justin Ferguson says he keeps getting 9 taken out of his account. It's not for us, man. We're 9.95, so you are paying four cents <laughs> too much for some website out there. So that's not us. Uh, okay, so, uh, so basketball happened, and we're going to try not to have this show go the same way that the game did because if it does, the last, like, 40 minutes of this are just going to be complete crap. Like it's just going to yeah. be awful. Um, yeah. What the, the hell? Computers will like melt. Like seriously, <laughs> what the hell? I, I don't know. What yeah. Happened. Yeah. I didn't mean, know what happened. Like, no. And, and it's like, you know, a lot of times coaches get heat when after the game, they just say like, I don't know what happened, but like, I didn't really expect any other answer because if he knew what happened, he probably would have done it something to stop it. I would yeah. think. Yeah. It, I, it was really and truly, I'm not sure I've ever seen, a game, you know, look that different. A team looked that different from first half to second half because it's not like, you know, they, they were like Mississippi State was just playing bad in the first half and Mizzou has kind of, you know, loved their way to 12 point league. Mizzou looked really good. I thought it was their best half of the season in the first half. You know, their offense was crisp. They had one turnover. They had, I think, nine assists on 15 field goals. They had like 11 layups slash dunks in the first half. You know, everything was clicking. Um, they were getting out in transition and then, you know, both ends of the floor, it just, it just completely fell apart. Um, you yeah. know, and yeah, we'll get into the reasons for well, it. Well, what, what about this theory? Um, I, I haven't seen this brought up yet, but I just got a direct message from at Damien fish, um, fish back, I believe actually <laughs> that said, I heard Mississippi state's players all took naps at halftime. So, so that uh -oh. obviously, I mean, I don't know if you noticed Mitch, but they really looked tired in the first half. They was were, that a fish? Is that a fish fact? Yeah, they were, they were carrying their whoobies around the court with the pillow. They just wanted to, they were so tired from those 10 extra minutes on Saturday. Oh my God. It was, it was the worst. Yeah. I don't like to seen. bag on. I don't like to pack on the announcers. Because, I don't either. You know, but... It's just become overly, but that was, that was absurd. It really was the, it was brought up 37 and, times. Well, and it was brought the first time it was brought up like three and a half minutes into the game. It was almost like Ben Howland had gone to them before the game and go, look, man, my guys are exhausted. We're probably going to play like dung. Tonight. So, so when we start playing bad, I want you to tell everybody how tired we are. Like, I mean, it was, it, I think he said it for the first time when it was like, 12 to 10. Yeah. <laughs> it was crazy. Yeah. It wouldn't surprise me if Hal had mentioned that in their like production meetings. Like, and you know, we are coming off a double overtime game. I it, mean, that is a coach thing to it, do. But like, do you think it was the only thing he mentioned? Did he mention it 47 times? 
No, he also he also mentioned that they have Batman and Robin, and they don't know which one's Batman, because that was also said about 25 times. And then in the second half, when Missouri started playing poorly, it had nothing to do with a road trip Saturday and another road trip Tuesday, and maybe they were tired. They had spent half time reading their press clippings, so mm-hmm. um, they were very very. But in all seriousness, I, I mean, I what was so weird about that to me was I can't really even identify where it started to go wrong. There was no like, Oh yeah, this guy got a third foul or there was this really huge emotional play from Mississippi state. It was like Missouri was up 14 and then Mississippi state said, Hey guys, this kind of sucks. Let's go. And Missouri just said, Hey guys, let's do nothing right for the next 14 minutes of this game. Like absolutely nothing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, basically, you know, Mississippi State, yeah, I think found a little bit of a sense of urgency. It's two guards who are both good players. You know, they're good offensive players. They started making shots and they made tough shots. And, yeah. you know, it seemed like for Missouri, like the more and more it got to the like at first it was just like, oh, OK, you know, like bad position or two, whatever. But the more and more things got should have gotten urgent and, you know, they need they clearly needed a bucket that, that almost caused a tailspin like all of a sudden you know they're, they're taking bad shots they, they're they turning the ball over i thought right. they panicked yeah. i thought so too and, and i kind of tried to ask Conzo in the press conference it was hard to find a way to word this exactly but it's like how worrisome is that that that's happening on this team because what we've always heard about this team is oh they're so composed they have grit they have experience they have They've toughness like yeah. You know, it, and, you know, that was the thing that wasn't supposed to happen. So uh, I, I do think that is cause for concern, obviously. No question. Um, so, oh, hey, uh, real quick, we're talking about defensive coordinators. Football Scoop is reporting that Derek Mason expected to join Brian Harson's staff at Auburn. So uh, oh, there you go. Okay. So uh, glad I got, you know, seven solid hours of him on uh, – <laughs> on, on our hot board. Um, but like I said, I didn't expect him to take this job anyway. So, um, and, and we're seeing your basketball questions and comments and we'll get those up. And, and Aaron Johnson brings up a point about Drew Smith. Is he healthy? I, I don't know. Um, but I, 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 I put that question on the screen because it well for two reasons. First of all, if there is a guy that like, I understand Mitchell Smith is getting most of the heat. Javon Pickett gets some of it a lot of times. The the seventh and eighth guys in the rotation are not what's holding this team back. What's holding this team back is that they are getting nothing from Drew and Mark Smith lately. I mean, like less than nothing. They are getting negative impact from Drew and Mark Smith. And the play, the the play where I said, "Oh, this is over last night," was at fifty five fifty two. Drew Smith committed one of the worst fouls I've ever seen. And some of the other worst fouls I've ever seen have also been committed by Drew Smith in the last few weeks. And this is a fifth-year senior, supposed to be the best guy on the team that they've said is as talented as any guard in the league. He can't do that in a 55-52 game. And then it's 58-52. And, I mean, at that point, it was over. And and, uh, Mississippi State went on an 11-2 run right after that. But I really thought that foul on the three-point shot, I just said, oh, they're done. They got seven minutes left, but they're not coming back. 
Yeah, I agree. And yeah, I think that is the biggest area where you look at where did we expect to get more? Um, you know, I mean, Drew Smith was, a, he was on one of the preseason second or third team, all SEC, you know, he was talked about, I mean, he's, you know, the coaching staff has raved about him since he got on campus. Mark Smith, you know, starts this year off playing really well. And, and, you know, everyone's saying, you know, that's the Mark Smith we know, you know, he put in all this work and he's not just a three point shooter. And now if you face guard him with a fairly athletic defender, he's, you know, pretty much ineffective. I mean, he, he did a little bit in the first half against Mississippi state was, what was absolutely invisible in the second. Um, so yeah, I think I absolutely agree. That is the area where you're not getting nearly as much as you would expect. Um, I do think to, uh, to Aaron's point that Drew Smith might not be healthy. I've been wanting to ask, uh, for a little while. We haven't gotten to talk to him in a, in a little while, but, uh, you know, he's been, he's had that wrist wrapped up, but you did make the point on the message board today. If it's his wrist that's hurt, you would think it's the shooting that would be struggling and he's been shooting. Okay. Right. The issue has it, been more of decision-making. It so. is not hindering his ability to slap at the ball and get whistled for a foul. <laughs> I know that, um, a couple people, yeah. Justin and David, both bringing up Jeremiah Tillman in the fourth foul hurting. I thought the third foul was kind of a garbage call. But the problem oh, yeah. is it led directly to the fourth foul 12 seconds later, and that's what Jeremiah has always done. Like, if he gets one, <laughs> he's almost – if he gets one especially that he doesn't think he deserves, he's almost instantly getting another one. That said, he had 16 and 6 last night. Like, you'll take right. that. He played, right. That I was... thought he played well. Yeah, like both him and Tillman, or both sorry, both him and Pinson came out of the game briefly for foul trouble, and like people have pointed to that as an issue. Like you know, some of the Mississippi State's runs came when they were out of the game, but like the fact that they scored, those were also two Missouri's two best players, and like if them both being out of the game for like three to four minute stretches. It, is going to absolutely doom your team against unranked team. That's more on the other guys than it is on them for picking up a foul because, like, you know, Jeremiah Tillman's never playing 40 minutes in a game. It's just not going to happen. And so, you know, yeah. Yeah. Um. So Tillman was, I thought, good. Pinson was decent. Everybody else was was awful. Um. You know, and, and Cam Cameron, I'm struggling to find positives about Drew Bug's game other than he can completely triple the ball up the court. I don't know. I mean, they they praise him a lot, and it's four on five offensively when he's out there at this point in time. I I don't, and I don't see I don't see big assist numbers. Um, I don't see them. I mean, they had twenty one turnovers two games in a row. If he solved those issues, he would be on the court more. I, I I'm not sure right now. Yeah, I mean, like, like the, the bottom line is, and like, you know, I, I will say I was pointed this out even after the Oregon game. So back when everyone was feeling really good about Missouri basketball, like they needed to bring in someone this offseason who could score, who could get you a bucket when things aren't going great and you need a bucket. And that was extremely evident last night. And that's never been Drew Bucks's game. You know, they I don't want to say they settled on him, but they he was not plan a this offseason in the transfer market. Um, and, you know, he may be a really good kid and a good leader and a good passer. That's not really what this team needed. They had a lot of guys like that. They needed someone who could score. And, you know, that's just what's missing. And it's what has been missing for two years now. Yeah, no question. So this is what it really all comes down to. Cam is saying, how confident are you that a 64-60? Oh, I thought this was asking about Missouri. But he's asking, how confident are you that a normal NCAA tournament field will happen this year? I think it will. Um, but more important than that to me is where I was going to take it is, how confident are you today that Missouri is in it at the end of the year? I mean, not like if it started today. Yeah. 
you know, it's hard because uh, we don't know. I mean, this is such a, a weird season, right? Like, uh, it's hard for me to keep track of, you know, who, how good Missouri's resume actually is compared to other teams and, you know, what criteria the selection committee is even going to use for this thing. Yeah. I, I feel pretty good. I, I'm going to give Missouri right now like a 75% chance to be in the tournament just because I think, honestly, they, they should be able to go something like 500 in the SEC and get in because their non-conference resume is really strong. I mean, you know, I think, you know, I mean – the RPI isn't used anymore, but before the loss to Mississippi State, they were number one in the RPI, which is very largely based on strength of schedule. So, um, you know, that still is, is noteworthy. They were 10th in the first net ranking. So um, I feel pretty good about them getting in. But also, like, if they sneak in as a 10 seed or a 9 seed or something like that and lose in the first round, that's that's probably not enough to uh, to satisfy a lot of people, especially given, you know, what, what looks like is on the horizon. Yeah. That's, that's not going to make anybody really feel much better. And so uh, real quick, we got a few minutes left. I'm, I'm checking uh, sec scores. Tennessee was behind earlier tonight. Uh, I don't know what they ended up doing. Tennessee came back to beat Arkansas at home 79, 74, but Arkansas was shooting lights out. Like Tennessee played three really bad halves after they left here. Uh, LSU, which comes to Columbia on Saturday, beat Georgia in overtime, which is mm. interesting. Uh, they're two and one in the league. That kind of turns into so we talked on on the pregame show last night about how you know two and zero wasn't. I thought two and zero this week was a must if you wanted to be serious about winning the league. Zero and two is a, kind of a must. Of, I mean, I don't want to call Saturday a must win, but. If you drop both these games this week, you're feeling like you're in a whole different place. Yeah, it's too early to call things a must win, but it is important. I mean, like, we, you know, Missouri, each of the last two years has gotten off to such a bad start in SEC play and had to just kind of claw their way back to semi-relevance. Like, you don't want that again this year, especially after all the momentum you had in the non-conference. Uh, I think it would be big to just kind of, you know, bounce back. I mean, like... That second half, it, it, you know, this shouldn't be the case for an experienced team, but that could be the type of thing that, like, you know, that sticks with the team for a little while because it was bad. It wasn't just your average loss, as we discussed. It was, you know, a total collapse. Um, so I, I think it would be good for uh, for morale if, you know, if they can can bounce back and put it together. And, and LSU, I think, is a better matchup for Missouri. Now, they can score. Missouri's going to have to be able to score with them. But uh, they're not nearly as good on defense and good at protecting the rim, which are the things that, you know, Missouri has really struggled against. Yeah. Uh, David is saying it's hard to believe they aren't in the tournament, but it's also hard to believe they get past game one unless they figure out how to score from somewhere other than the free throw line. But, you know, I brought this up and I saw you brought it up on the message board. I brought it up on the uh, on the postgame show last night. So to to win the NCAA tournament, you have to win six straight games, right? At the beginning of the season, Missouri started against Oral Roberts and won game one. That's like a 4-13 game, right? They won that. The next game, I think, was Oregon. Oregon, right? That's like a 4-5 game. They won that. Mm -hmm. uh, it wasn't in order, but a couple games later, they beat Illinois. That's like a 1-4 mm -hmm. game in the Sweet 16. They beat, yeah. I, I mean, they've actually done – they've yeah. kind of already paved the path to the Final Four, and I'm not making the argument this is a Final Four team. <laughs> I'm just making the argument let's not yeah. end the season after last night. So do you agree? Can we not end the season? Mitchell, I, I have frozen Mitchell on my screen with that. Funny, you know, that's 
yeah, that's that. I will go ahead and say it. We we do not have to, to yes to bury this team and fire Conso. And it's funny, like you know, we are texting about this. Like all of a sudden, we've become Conso white knights in some people's minds just because we're saying maybe we don't have to fire him yet when his team's seven and two and ranked thirteenth and lost on the road. Like right. this this is still this team still has everything in front of it. Um, you know, it, there are reasons to be worried and have doubts based off what we saw last night. But there's also, I mean, the reason for optimism, like, uh, you know, yeah, the post I was responding to, someone said, like, you know, there's no, there's just no way this team win, can do better than, like, win one, lose one in a given week. It's like, well, why not? It already did. Right. So, you know, it, it's not, it, there's a lot of basketball left to play, certainly. Um, okay, so we're going to wrap it up kind of with this one. Um, is the problem shoot, with shooting due to poor evaluation from coaches or not emphasized enough in practice? I mean, I, look, these guys have shot a million shots in their lives. They, they, it's not that they don't practice shooting. Um, I'm sure they practice shooting. And even if they don't, like, they shouldn't have to. Pra I mean, <laughs> you know, they've done that their whole lives. I think they've kind of signed a bunch of guys that can't really shoot at this level. I mean, I don't, yeah. I don't know what else there is to say at this point. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, I, I think just the, the talent level isn't quite there. Like, and, and I think some of them are, are fine shooters, but when they're facing an athletic defender that makes it harder then then all of a sudden it's harder to make shots. I mean, that's what we see with Mark Smith, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and there are guys on Missouri's team who just can't make them when they're alone, as we've seen. Um, but like, you know, guys like Mark Smith, like he's a fine shooter in, in some circumstances, but if you front face guard him and you have someone who's taller than him or longer than him or more athletic than him, then it becomes a lot harder to make shots. And that's where your own skill, you know, and athleticism comes in. Uh, I actually was texting with someone who, who used to play on Missouri's team in the very recent past. And, uh, and, you know, was, we were talking about the shooting and I was like, what's up with that? Like, uh, and he basically said, dude, like these guys all make shots in practice. Like they get shots up. They just, they just like the lights come on sometimes and they just can't make them. Like, he's like, it's, it's not a new thing. I was like, I mean, wow. Like, uh, I mean, yeah. what, why is that? He's like, I don't know. I, I think it's just kind of a confidence deal. Yeah. So I can confirm it's not a new thing. It's been going yeah. on for a minute. So, uh, Missouri at LSU on uh, on Saturday. I'm sure things will happen between now and then. Many things have happened in the last couple of days, so I'm sure other things will happen in the next couple of days. So, hey, before you guys log off, two things. Check out 573tees.com. Go there. Buy yourself a shirt or buy somebody else's shirt even. That's a nice thing to do. Be nice, maybe. Um, but also, uh, be nice to us. Hit the like button. Hit the subscribe button. Tell people about the show. Uh, we did basketball shows last night. We'll do basketball shows on Saturday. Uh, had had this show every Wednesday, and who knows, we might even expand our vast YouTube empire down the road. We'll uh, we'll see how it goes. So, all right, Mitch, uh, have a good night, man. Uh, appreciate it, and we'll catch up. Sounds good. All right, thanks for watching, guys. Uh, we'll be back on Saturday. We'll be back here next week at seven thirty. Uh, but we are signing off for now. Have a good one.